0: How's it? Good morning. I am going to cut my hair as soon as I get to Muscle Bay. I've been holding on. We've been filming the foundations and I can't cut it. And normally, like, I let it grow and then I just shave it off and then I start from scratch. But I couldn't because if I shaved my head, there would be no continuity. So, sorry, that's just a little bit about me. But how are you this morning? Who, was, who have you heard the storm coming in last night? It was insane, eh? I mean, like four o'clock, that wind came through, the wind started like pummeling, the braai was being blown over, the rain was pelting on the, on the, I was actually quite scared. But we are busy with foundations, right? How many of you have been at some of the sessions? Can I see hands, please? How many of you haven't been at any of the sessions? Obviously, the visitors, thanks for joining this morning, um, but this can be a standalone session. But what we've been talking about is we've been talking about salvation. And that God loves you. Say with me, God loves me. And that God cares for you. And that God, well, you can stop saying that now. (laughs) You guys are very obedient, well done, eh? And that God's got a plan and a purpose for each and every one of you. And that when sin came into the world, it broke us from that plan and purpose. And that the first thing that sin did was this, like, we don't even know what we're here for. What's my meaning? What's the plan? What's the destiny that the Lord had for me from before the foundation of the earth was created? And so we've worked our way through that God has a plan, that Jesus comes, He consecrates you, sets apart, He makes you holy. He wants to use you. Say with me, God wants to use me. Now all of you, say, yes, me, I have a purpose and a destiny. That feels good, eh? You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You're not here just to come and be here. You're here because Jesus is making disciples. Jesus is extending his kingdom. Jesus is building his church. And he wants to use Lucas. Well, he also wants to use Lucas. And he also wants to use Joe. And he also wants to use Mervis. And he also wants to use Nick. But he wants to use you to build his kingdom. And in order to do that, we've seen that Jesus' blood comes and it changes the way that we think about ourselves. Because we had an old identity. Remember I told the toffee story? I liked toffees more than the amount of money I had, so I stole toffees. What did that make me? It made me a thief. A thief. But when Jesus saved me, He took away that old identity. He separated from me. And now when I come to His presence, He doesn't see Yesmone the thief. He sees Yesmone my son. We saw that the anger that God has towards sin is dealt with in the blood of Jesus Christ. And that Jesus' sacrifice, with the big word, was propitiation sacrifice. A sacrifice that turned away the anger that God had. And that means that now when God looks at you from heaven, because He's not scowling at you. He's not angry with you. He's for you. He's smiling at you. He's cheering you on. And we saw that Jesus' blood brings dedication. That we are now dedicated into this plan and purpose and that you're part of what God wants to do and he has imputed you with righteousness. You have the badge of authority on your chest and like a traffic cop, the car doesn't stop because the traffic cop is great and strong and powerful and full of wisdom. The car stops because of the authority that that traffic cop has on his chest. And the devil will stop when you stop him Because God co-labors with us, and we have a responsibility that we have to take up. And then we saw that there were fruitful practices that we need to do as Christians. The way that we live with one another. We need to repent and confess and walk together and live in community and live in life and share testimony and lay hands on one another and all these beautiful things that the Bible speaks about that we do in the community of faith so that we can have a green, fruitful life. And then on Thursday, we spoke about baptism we spoke about this walk of faith, that faith is something that we perceive in our hearts and that we respond to with actions. And that can be baptism in water, but it can be other actions too. And that as we're coming out of Egypt, sometimes we're pulling with us these old practices of Egypt where we could be involved in spiritual things that are not from God and that carry consequences and that God's people perish because of a lack of knowledge. We get involved in spiritual things that are not from God, we perish, we leak, and we can't contain the fullness because God, Jesus has come so that we will have life and that life in abundance. Do we always have that life in abundance? Yes, sometimes it doesn't feel like it, eh? Sometimes it's difficult and it struggles. You know, actually, once I went into the Old Testament, and I looked at all the kings of Israel, you know, normally when it starts with the king of Israel, it says, this king followed the Lord and he did good in the sight of the Lord and he was blessed. And then this king followed Baal and Maloch and whatever, and he did bad in the sight of the Lord. Now, I can't remember the specific figures, but I think there was something like 70 kings in the history of Israel. Guess how much of them did good and that blessing? About 10%. And I think as we walk this Christian walk that we walk with the Lord, it's not as easy because sometimes we get stuck in these things and we need to know what's our identity. All those things I've just spoken about, we've got to fight to fight. Because we've got these things that can hinder us and entangle us and be obstacles to us. And I want to speak this morning about another obstacle that we can face as Christians as we live together in the community of faith and in this world. And that thing that I want to speak about is is forgiveness or the thing that will keep you trapped is unforgiveness so can I start with a story so I got saved I got filled with the spirit I was growing in the Lord I went to Port Elizabeth I backslid for three years God came to me and said when I come back you're going to die if you carry on your sin and God forgave me i repented I broke up with my girlfriend I got rid of all my bad stuff and I started following Jesus and I ended up here in Cape Town I was working at Panorama Medical Clinic and I joined the church, and it was a lack of church. It was a charismatic church, and I was growing in that church, and I was enjoying the fellowship, and I was enjoying the teaching. I was growing as a Christian. And then all of a sudden, I started struggling in that church. And I had come out of a background for me where I was exposed to pornography at a very young age, probably about 12 or 13, and it was always something that I would struggled with. But when I got saved, God supernaturally just, just set me free from it. I know it doesn't happen like that with all of us, but for me it was like that. And now after about four years of just walking in freedom and purity and holiness with the Lord, all of a sudden my thought life became such a battle. You know, I was struggling with pure thoughts. like if It was the first thing I battled when I woke up in the morning, and it was the last thing I battled when I went to bed at night. And this carried on for, it felt like years, but it was probably like a period of months and then it came out that the youth leader was busy sleeping with his girlfriend and i don't know about you but i was taught that it, we don't we're not getting transformed by what your leaders say but you catch who they are and that a little bit of sin works through the whole batch of dough and that the anointing flows from the head and so if he opens a door well that opens a door and so i was like i was upset like, there. for three months, I'd been struggling, and this oak was the cause. And so what did I do? What do you think I did? I didn't tune him. I didn't tune him. I'm Afrikaans. I said, you for that. No, I left. I left the church. Quietly. Didn't make a fuss. Didn't gossip and slander. I just, like, decided, you know what? If this is God's church, I don't want anything to do with it. Well, not anything. It's a little bit harsh. So what I decided to do was, it's like, it heard something within me. And so I started to go, like, every Sunday I went to a different church. So for I was surfing in, in, at Landadna, I would go to East People that night. And for surfing at Cool I would go to st- Shofar, divide my tithe in four, and i paid my quarter wherever i went i can't remember what i did on those week those months that of five weeks and i ended up just just cr- cruising not attaching because when you attach you get hurt when you attach you get disappointed there's always that potential and so i was just like you know what i'm guarding my heart against this thing still love jesus still followed him and uh, after about, oh, I can't remember how long it might have been two years a friend of mine came from PE, we started studying together, but then he started fishing in his second year so he fell his first year and his second year so he was two years behind me and he came in and said, listen, here, Andrew's planting a church I'm like, Andrew? he says, you know that guy that paddles?" his." I'm like, oh, that guy with the long hair I thought he was a Satanist <laughs> I used to <laughs> I used to see <laughs> you know Andrew had hair down to here even when he planted, and Yaku. You guys know Yaku. I used to see him at the bottom parking lot at Point after he surfed, and he had this combi that he stayed in, and he would like, make his food on this Kadak like, stove. He was like, a, with a poncho. He was like, so he said, Andrew's ponchos? I'm like, no, not that guy. So we came through the one, I think it was like a Wednesday evening. We came through for surf, and Joseph's like, hey, why don't we go and say hello to, to Andrew? So we're like, yeah, let's go welcome him. So we pulled into Raven's Crescent where his house was, and we walked like into a meeting. And as I spoke to him, there was something of the New Testament church, you know, the priesthood of all believers, the call, the power, the, the life, the way that we live together, the, the, just the power of the gospel that, as I spoke to him, it went like, boom, that's in my heart, bro. I can feel it. And it's probably why you yeah, because you feel the same thing. There's like a there's a call that God has for us. And so I kind of like walked into that meeting and I never walked out. And then I lived in a commune with Nikki Carson here at the top of Table Sorry, I know this is a long story, but it's got a point. Right at the top of Table View there, and um, yes, like you would wake up in the morning, you would smell the petrol fumes up there. I don't know what they do up there, and. Uh, Stayed with Nikki Carson, probably in the church for about a year, maybe a year and a half. And Nikki came to me the one day and said to me, Moni, when are you going to join Josh Jen? And I'm like, "Nikki, is gerook, bro. And she said, Mau, I've been in this church for a year and a half. I'm coming every Sunday. I'm in community. What do you mean, like, when am I going to join Josh Jen? And he says, no, there's something in your heart that hasn't joined. So I went away on a weekend and I'd, like, I asked the Holy Spirit, like, What does Nikki mean? And then I realized, you know what? I'm following Andrew, and I'm part of the church, but there's something in my heart that I've held back that has prevented me from covenanting, from becoming fully part of the congregation. And I said, all right, Lord, what's this? And God didn't really reveal to me where that wound was, but that wound was where that youth that, that, And the sand of time had come, and it kind of like just buried it. You know you forget about those things. And God said to me, can you, see, can you see me and Andrew? And I said, yes, Lord, I can. He said, well, then you can follow him and you can join this church. And so I joined the church. And then a couple of months later, we went on an outreach to Madagascar, about eight of us, ten of us. And uh, I ended, we, the first part was an outreach into Antanarivo. And then the last ten days, we were going on a surf trip uh, on a yacht, on a catamaran that was probably about this size. And uh, and that, on that trip, I just saw every bad thing in Andrew. Like whenever we wanted to go surf somewhere, like he wanted to go surf at that spot, and it doesn't matter if anyone else wanted to surf there, we were gonna go there. And we were too many people on the yacht, which means there wasn't enough food. How many of you have got angry issues? You know, i got angry issues. And so Andrew would eat, and there wouldn't be enough. And I was just like, I just saw everything bad in him. So I said to myself on, on that yacht, you know what? When we get back, I'm leaving this church because I can't follow this oak. And we didn't have enough money to fly to Joburg and then fly to Madagascar. So we had rented a combi and drove to Joburg. So when we had flown back from Madagascar, we got back in the Kombi, and we drove back. And about somewhere here in the Karoo, the Lord spoke to me. And he said to me, Monet? If you cannot follow Andrew with his clay feet, no one will follow you with your clay feet. Do you know that your leaders aren't perfect? It doesn't mean that they habitually sin, but it means like we're not perfect, man. We're being made into the image of Christ. And so in the crew there I turned to Andrew, he was driving, I said to him, Brew, I'm so sorry. God just sent to me my frot art. Must I repeat that? Because that came out a little bit weird. My frot art. My frotho my frot. Heart. My frot, heart. My frot heart. God's just taken away the ability of speech it's the anointing of Babel (laughs) confusion everywhere God just showed me my heart and you know where that came from guess what my disappointment with that church leader I hadn't dealt with it properly so I repented to Andrew and well we had some other tests along the way but the word forgiveness literally means letting go Afimi is the Greek. And when we join a church, on the cha- Matthew chapter 18, it's the sin chapter. It speaks about how you deal with sin in the church. It speaks about how should you forgive Peter says it's to Jesus. But Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will I forgive my brother when he sins against me and forgive him? As many as seven times? Now, seven times is quite gracious, eh? Imagine in one day. Oh, what will be a good example? Someone skinners about you, and you find out about it, you confront them, say, I'm so sorry. And then in that same day, they skinner about you again, forgive them, I'm so sorry. So Peter thought he was gracious when he said seven times. But Jesus said to him, I do not say you seven times, but 70 times seven times. 70 times 77 times. That's 490 times, a little bit more. That's once every three minutes in a 24-hour day. It's once every two minutes in a waking day. And what that actually means is that as Christians, we should live in a lifestyle of forgiveness. Because that's how God lives with us, in a lifestyle of forgiveness. Not being licharak and sensitive, but living in a community of faith knowing and I'm saying this, knowing that I will get offended, knowing that someone will hurt me, knowing that someone will forget my birthday. And when those things happen to you, how do you feel? You feel dissed. You've heard that expression, dissed. Like when that youth leader did that, I felt dissed. Disappointed, disgusted, disregarded, disgust disputed, discarded, disrespected, disgruntled, disused, and it caused me to be dislocated, displaced, and dissatisfied. And maybe you sitting here today and you've had some people talk about you, or you've had people say things to you, or you've had people speak about you, or you've had leaders not handling your situations right, or you've had people do things to you that they shouldn't have done to you. And you walking around with a wound in your heart just like I walked around with a wound in my heart and you're not even aware of it. And Jesus says that we should forgive just like He has forgiven us. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. And so Christ extended the first hand of forgiveness and reconciliation And if we have the same spirit that dwells in us, who should extend the first hand? We should. And so the Bible says this in Matthew 5:23. If you are at the altar ready to present your gift, and you know that your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go and make right, go and reconcile. As Christians, God calls us to the supernatural act of forgiving like He has forgiven us. And I'm calling it a supernatural act because it's not something that comes automatically. It's something that we really need the love of Christ that has been shed abroad in our heart to be able to act like Him. So, what happens to us if we don't forgive? In Matthew 18, 34, it says this. And in ang- Okay, so this is... I'm going to give you a little bit of... Coin. It's quite a long portion of Scripture, but it's just after that Scripture about Peter asking Jesus how many times I should forgive, and Jesus says to him a lot of times, all the time. And then he tells a parable about this king who's owed a lot of money by a servant, 10,000 talents, and the servant can't pay the 10,000 talents, so he comes before the king because the king brings him before a reckoning, And the king says, Well, I'm going to sell you and your family into slavery. You would normally get one talent for a slave if it was a really good slave. So he owes 10,000. To give you an idea, in today's currency, 10,000 is about 12 million US. That's a lot. That's like 240 million rand. How much is the lotto? We don't play lotto. lot, eh? right? okay. It's a lot. And uh, the, the, he, the, he says, he pleads with the master, he says, please have patience, patience with me. The master says, all right, I forgive you your debt, go. And then he walks out. And as he walks out, one of his mates, fellow servants, he sees him and he owes him 100 denarii, which is 100 day wages. That's like 10,000 rand. 10,000 rand? 240 million rand. It's like not really uh, like com- comparable. Eh? He grabs the oak by his throat, and the Greek word there is, is he throttles him. He drags him to the jailer, and he says, go this oak in the jail until he pays me my last cent. And so the other servants see this. They tell the king about this. The king calls him back and says, and in anger his master delivered him to the jailers or tormentors until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Why was the king so upset? Because the king had extended mercy and grace, and the servant hadn't received that mercy and grace, and then extended it to his fellow servants. How much sins have we done towards the Lord? Just quickly think in your head. Lots. And so the principle here is, is that The Lord forgives us. When the Lord forgives us, it enables us to forgive other people. And if we don't, God hands us over to jailers and tormentors until we pay all the debts. So also my Heavenly Father will do with every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And so what happens to us is, is we get handed over to tormentors. How do we get tormented? Can I have five volunteers? Lucas, you can be a volunteer. I don't know your name. Please. Oh, one, two, three, four, five. There we go. And so unforgiveness, kind of, you guys have already read that. Eh? So, Lucas, um, you can be Jesus. <laughs> Stand over there for me. So, we need someone that's offended and not forgiving their brother. Who wants to volunteer? You'll be that guy, all right. Krieger so, stand over there. I want you to be the offender. You hurt him. You spoke about him, and you said, you know what? He thinks he's good at CrossFit, but actually he sucks. <laughs> and and, and you, you, you used to go to his gym, but now you're going to another gym, and that one is so much better. And he's been telling everyone about that. And so now you're really upset with him. So I want you to hold on to him. And I want you to face this way. Not not on his (laughs) neck. This This isn't for real. (laughs) So what happens to us when we don't forgive is it's, it's like we're holding on to the person that has offended us. And we're facing away from the purposes and the destiny and the call that the Lord has for us. And so Lucas is calling Kriche to walk into his plan, his purpose, and his destiny. That his planned from before the world, that he's given his son Jesus Christ the ability to forgive him, and he's given him the Holy Spirit that convicts Kriche in his heart that he should actually turn around and follow his destiny. So he'll turn around and he'll try and follow it, but he can't get away from this oak because he's holding on to him. And so he's actually like stuck in time, he's stuck at that moment of offense. And so one of the ways that we get tortured is, is every time he thinks, what's your name? Rui. Rui. Yeah. Rui, 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 Rui your but <laughs> Sorry. Please forgive me. <laughs> you must have had that a lot at school, eh? <laughs> I'm busy causing offense wherever I go. <laughs> Where was I? where am i who am i (laughs) so every time he thinks of rui what do you think happens in his heart he relives that moment and he thinks about rui and he thinks you know what that peanut how dare he And those emotions start living in his heart again, and he feels those feelings again. And then what the heart is full of the mouth overflows, and then he starts speaking to other people about it. So sin gives birth to sin, gives birth to death. It separates him from the community of, it separates him from communion with God, but it also separates him from the community of faith, because now the sin has gone from the inside to the outside, and it actually breaks. And God says in Corinthians that if you hurt my body, I will hurt you. And so he gets tortured because he cannot get released from, from this guy. He's stuck. Sorry, Rui. That's the one way that we get tortured, because we get to relive that moment over and over and over. Does Rui care? Can Rui even remember what he spoke to him about? Probably not. Rui's moved on with his life. But he's stuck. And so if we don't forgive, we get tortured because we get stuck. We cannot move into the purpose and the destiny and the call of God for your life. Maybe God's called you to be a prophet. Maybe He's called you to be a worship leader. Maybe He's called you to lead a community. Maybe He's called you to have words of knowledge and prophesy and, and bring healing and have acts of faith. But you're stuck. Because you're stuck. Back there where Daniel, Daniel Kinyar, my youth pastor, hurt me. I got stuck. And I couldn't walk into the fullness. And it might not be that your whole life is like that, but there will be a portion of your life that will be like that. The other thing that happens to us is, is the whole church gets stuck. Because if he is a mouth, and we are the rest of the body, this mouth, sorry. <laughs> you forgive, thank you. This mouth is now mute. And so we get stuck. The kingdom of God can't advance. Uh, second point, I've gone up. And we get tortured through our thoughts, our feelings, and our emotions. And sometimes this guy gets stuck, too, because he's not releasing him. And an example of that would be I've seen in a church where a leader ended up in moral failure, which was wrong but discipline was applied to the leader he was stepped down it was handled publicly there was repentance forgiveness there was reconciliation to a certain extent but that congregation will not forgive that leader and reinstate him into God's plan and purpose for his life and so he gets stuck because the congregation won't forgive you see when when we don't let go everyone loses Thank you, guys. Most of you have done great. I'm sorry. Oh, what? I'm so sorry, but so, so I, I've, I, this is the first time I'm doing this, so I messed this up a bit. So, so, so th- No, not yet. So the process kind of like works like this. He's got an offense in his heart, legitimately so. If he doesn't go to Matthew 18 and sort it out with him, and then if, someone, if he doesn't listen and take someone else and then bring it to the church, if he doesn't do that, it allows resentment and bitterness to grow in his heart which can have a physical consequence. Often, rheumatoid arthritis is linked. You know, bitter old people? Oh. We are spiritual beings that have a mind, a will, and an emotion, that live in a physical body. Your spiritual sin can affect... Your physical being sorry that's just we just want to put it out there maybe there's some of your illnesses chronic illnesses maybe anxiety heart pain arthritis that could be that and I'm not saying it is that could be linked to a spiritual cause they can also be physical causes they can also be emotional causes but they can also be spiritual and so then the torment, because if he doesn't listen to the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit, which would want to bring reconciliation, because that's the spirit of peace, it's the spirit of Christ, then the tormentors come. Come, tormentor. <laughs> Finally, yeah. Finally. And they keep you captive and remind you. So he wakes up in the morning and they whisper into his ear, Remember what had did. And then as soon, if he doesn't fall for it the first time, then they whisper to him again until they trigger that thought in his mind and it's like dominoes and it runs down into the full course through the emotions, into the heart that hurts and he is kept captive. Does that make sense? So this, this this is the process of the Lord, but it's the way that the enemy defeats us. God uses the devil and his angels to bring us to a place of repentance. Now, that's a big statement, and if you stumble over that statement, just don't worry about it. Don't switch off for the rest of the sermon. We can talk about that. The point is, is that you don't want to live in unforgiveness. That's clear. Is that clear? Who's it clear for? Oh, I'm so glad I could preach to all ten of you. Okay, thank you guys. So now the positive. What does forgiveness do for you? Well, you go free. Letting go allows you to go free. You walk into the plan and the purpose and the destiny that God has for you. You might have some thought patterns to overcome, but you can then start moving forward and walk into the blessing that God has for you, fruitfulness, multiplication, and rest. Also, they go free the person that kept you captive, especially if you bring it to a point of reconciliation. In other words, extending mercy and grace. So I've got an example here. And you guys remember the first martyr in the church? Who knows who that was? It was Stephen. What happened with Stephen? Stephen preached to the Jews, just like Peter did. And they got cut to the heart. They were but they were so upset with what he was saying that the Bible says that they were grinding their teeth. And so they decided, well, this oak's blaspheming. And so they took him outside the city gates and they laid their cloaks at a young man by the name of Saul. The fact that they laid their cloaks at the feet of Saul means is that the stoning, the execution, the capital punishment that was taking place wasn't done by a kangaroo mob, It was done under the authority of Saul, who was one, I think, a Pharisee of very high standing. And he gave the, that's right, this guy's blasphemed, we're going to stone him now. He gave the the authority for that execution. And so they start throwing stones on him, like not stones, like stones. And as he's about to die, the heavens open up and he sees Jesus at the right hand of the Father and he says, Father, Father, forgive me, forgive them. For they know not what they do. So what does he do? He extends forgiveness at his point of martyrdom to the guys that are busy stoning him, but also to Saul. A couple of weeks later, Saul gets really upset with this whole Christian thing. He goes to the authorities in Jerusalem, says, I want letters so that I can travel to every surrounding town and I can stamp out this sect of Christianity. He gets on his horse or his donkey and he starts going. And on the road to Damascus, what happens? Jesus appears to him. He says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He falls off his horse. And he becomes Paul. God changes his identity from a sinner, a persecutor, to Paul, the man who writes two-thirds of the New Testament. The, uh, uh, I believe the grace that Stephen extended to him at that moment, of death, enabled something of the economy of God for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to break into this realm of time and space so that Jesus could appear to him on his way to do more sin. And he could arrest him in that moment and he could get saved. Your forgiveness of someone that has hurt you in word or deed or any other action can open up the economy of heaven so that the grace of God and the mercy of God, as you extend grace and mercy, that person sees something of the goodness of heaven. Because what is the economy of this world? It's revenge. You see it in every movie. You hurt me, I hurt you harder. A eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And eventually all of us is eating puree and none of us can see. But the economy of heaven is this. That as we forgive, it's not just I that go free, but it's also them that go free. And it opens up something of the grace of heaven over their lives. What are the obstacles to forgiveness? Ignorance. You didn't know this. Well, I've got bad news. You know it now. Actually, it's good news. You know now that you can go free. And you know now that God's grace is available. Justice or revenge. I want that person to suffer like I suffered. But who came to suffer? Christ came to suffer. Christ came to become a curse. So that we wouldn't have to face the consequences. And the gospel is this. Is that we set people free. Because God is the righteous judge. And he will still judge us for our actions. But he'll judge us in Christ. And so I can let go of the burden of being the judge dread. The poli- what's it? The police cop, the judge, and the executioner. Now I can allow the Lord to judge each and every situation. It also means that my identity... Is not my wound or my hurt or my brokenness, because another thing that sometimes happens to us, when we walk in unforgiveness, and especially if it was a large, impactful action on your life, is your identity can, can become your unforgiveness. Have you guys heard of Stockholm Syndrome? There was a bank in Stockholm, and around about the 70s, I think it's 1973. Uh, there was a couple of uh, robbers that went into this bank and they kept a number of people hostage for a, quite a long time. And finally when the, the SWAT team was able to break into that, that bank and set the, 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 the hostages free, what happened was is the hostages fought on behalf of their captors. They actually tried to prevent the police from taking the, the robbers captive and some of them even refused to testify in court so what happens to us sometimes psychologically is that when we live with that pain and that bitterness for so long, that becomes your identity. And I call it, you actually start making tea for your captors. You start enjoying the fellowship that you have with us. You start almost enjoying the, you know, when you get reminded of what happened and that pain. It's like you put on Leonard Cohen or Tori Amos. It's like, you remember when your girlfriend broke up with you at school? You guys don't because you're all good Christians. And, like, you went home and you just, like, listened to some Phil Collins. There's <laughs> a couple, of like, smiling. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it kind of, like, it's like this bittersweet ease of my pain. But it's actually, like, sulking. I'm actually wallowing in my. That can be a... And then sometimes we have Landmines. You know, like that wound that I had with my youth pastor? The sand of time, time, sand of time came and it covered it over. And one day, Andrew Selly walked over it and went, <laughs> and he was like, whoa, where did that come from? Well, he didn't plant the bomb. The bomb was planted 10 years earlier. But if you have areas in your life where when someone walks over it or close to it, it goes, Complete overreaction. There's often a wound there which can be linked to unforgiveness. You guys still with me? So how do we discern? How do we discern? Because I say discern, not how do we see. Because discerning has got a spiritual component to this. How do we discern if we've got unforgiveness in our hearts? Well, I've got a point there that's not on you. will you quickly come share that testimony
1: <laughs> I'm saying it's weird that I was that guy in the um, thingy. Um, yeah, so Thursday night um, or Friday morning, I had a dream. And um, in the dream, my grandfather was sitting there, and he told me to take a picture of a lion and go burn the picture. And as I walked around him and I looked back, back, it was my mother. Sitting there, but she was a little bit out of it, and I gave her something to drink, and she took a sip and she put it down. But she was—it was weird. And then she said, "I must go to the room and get the little child out of the room." And as I walked into the room, this little girl with dreadlocks here, which is demonic, came running up to me and she bit me. And um, yes, I woke up and I said, "Yeah, what's this thing?" And in the morning. I spoke to Jesus about it, and I just felt that there's something in my family line or generation, something is not lacking. Yeah, man, that whole day, it was a weird feeling. It was, you know, looking back at it now, I know what it was. So I just felt um, the Lord say, was must ask nay to pray for me. I don't know for what. And uh, we started talking, and the Lord revealed that there was unforgiveness in my heart towards my dad and my mom, and it was rooted so deep, like, I forgave, like, many times, but, like, shooting over it, and in that moment, um, the Holy Spirit actually freed me from that pain that I've been carrying so long, and I didn't even know I was carrying that pain. It was a mixture of death and anger and anxiety, a physical pain, um, Yeah, and I was so thankful that I could do that, and the Lord actually helped me to do that. He revealed it to me, and I believe there were so many other times, but I didn't listen because I didn't want to go there. Like Mornay said, it's just sands of time heaped up over this deep, deep deep-rooted pain. And um, yeah, it reminded me of just where Jesus said, like, you know, where the sun sets free is free indeed. You know, I was a slave to that thing, which I didn't even know was there. Um, Yeah, so I'm so thankful today, I'm free, (laughs) I can't explain it, so that is out, I'm free, so that anxiety and that, I was trying to explain it, I don't know how to explain it, if you'd make a cocktail of all of this and you drink and it gnaws at you, that thing is gone, so I'm so thankful, I'm thankful for the Lord that He gave me the dream and that He's brought people around me and that we can actually speak about that and yeah man, I'm thankful. Awesome.
0: All glory to Jesus. You see, the first point which should be on the board is is God wants to set you free. And He will use the Holy Spirit to convict you. And He can bring dreams or He can bring people or He can bring scriptures. But if you want to walk with Him and you want to be free, He'll speak to you. And uh, he'll bring you into freedom. He'll take away your pain. He'll take away your hurt. And he'll replace it with love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and goodwill. Because that's the God that he is. So the question you can ask yourself is, are there people in my life that I have not forgiven and, I, and have broken relationships with? So people that I have anger, bitterness, malice, revenge, coldness towards. You know, you walk into a room and you kind of like, you see the person and you're like, eh, shucks, I wish I wasn't here. Or... I'm just going to go speak to this person, or yeah, rather, There could be something there. Do I have areas in my life that cause me to withdraw, sulk, blame, overreact, have anger, bitterness, malice towards someone? Are there areas in my life where I sulk and I make tea for my captors? Just ways to be able to discern. And the last thing is, is how do I forgive from my heart? And the answer is, is you simply forgive the way that God has forgiven you. God forgave you from their heart. And remember when we talked about uh, the blood of Jesus, and there was four ways that it could be applied. Are you guys still with me? I I know we've gone long. Just stand up quickly. Just stand up. Say hi to the person next to you. You've been sitting there sweating together. Maybe give them a smile. I forgive you for your bad breath. All right, okay, let's sit down. We're almost finished, guys. You're doing great. So, I want you to close your eyes. To be able to forgive, we need God's love shared abroad in our hearts. It's a supernatural thing. It's not a human thing. Humans want revenge and justice. God's Spirit wants mercy and forgiveness. And I'm going to take us now into a time where we're going to discern maybe an area in your life where God's going to come and He's going to break you free. But before we do that, I want everyone in this place to have the ability to do that. And in order to extend the blood of Jesus to someone, you first have to have the blood of Jesus for yourself. And the short story of the gospel is this, is that Adam and Eve messed up. They were separated from God. And God sent Jesus, His Son, to shed His blood so that you wouldn't have to take the consequences of your sin. Now, sin is a highly technical word, which means there's brokenness in your life. There's habits. There's things that you've done wrong that you know are wrong. You've got a seared conscience. You've got this weight that's upon you. And the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts you of that. And it can be a shameful thing, but we shouldn't react like Adam and Eve did and hide. We should run towards God and not away from Him. And as I'm speaking this morning, God's just making you aware that He sent His Son because He loved you. And He wants you to be in a relationship with Him. He doesn't want to push you away and punish you. He wants to walk with you, be with you, have fellowship with you, and lead and guide you. And eventually He wants you to end up in heaven with Him, not in hell with the devil. And so if that's you this morning, and you want to accept the blood of Jesus onto your heart, I want you to respond in faith now, because as I'm speaking, something's happening in your heart that's going like, it's, you've got this feeling that what I'm saying is right, and you want to respond to that. The Bible calls that faith. Actually, it calls it conviction. And your response to that, that God making you aware of the state of sinfulness and this gift that's being offered to you is faith and obedience. And so if you have that in your heart and you want your sins forgiven and you want to come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and want to align your life with the plan of God the Father now, right now. You've got that feeling in your heart, that feeling of conviction. I want you to raise your hand as a sign of faith. And in this moment, there's a couple of hands that have gone up. Thank you. In this moment, the Bible says God takes out your heart of stone and he gives you a heart of flesh. You become quickened and you're born again. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Thank you. I just want to give a couple of more moments. Now, I'm going to pray for you guys now. But what you need to do is, is you need to to make this known to someone that this has happened. Because if we confess Jesus before man, then Jesus will confess us before the Father. All right. So there's not going to be an opportunity for that now to do that, because normally I will come into the front or I will ask you to stand, but we're not going to do that today. But I want to ask you to do that, just to make sure, otherwise it's so easy to fall away. So those people that have just raised their hands, I want you to pray with me, and I actually want the whole congregation to pray. Say, Lord Jesus, this morning I acknowledge your Holy Spirit, the conviction in my heart that I'm a sinner. I ask your forgiveness. I ask that you would apply the blood of Jesus to my heart and to my mind and to my relationships. Please forgive me my sins. Holy Spirit, come and live in my heart and lead me into all the fellowship and the goodness, the call, the destiny, and the purpose that God has for me. I thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Now, I've just noticed that there's a couple of guys standing at the back with cards. Are there? No, there's not. Okay. So just get one of those little green cards, green booklets. And uh, all right. Okay, so now that everyone that wants to, you're able to discern, because now you've received the blood of Jesus, you can now extend the blood of Jesus. Let's close our eyes again. Yes, like it's going to be a dark next 10 minutes. Eh? But the reason we're closing our eyes is so that we can focus on the Lord and not be distracted by people around us. Say, Holy Spirit, if there's any area in my life that has been covered over by the sand of time and is keeping me in bondage, where someone has hurt me, I ask that you would reveal that to me, to me right now. Now, there might be a memory that comes up. If there's a memory there, good. If there's not, then... But how many of you have got someone that you need to forgive? All right, there's a couple of hands that have gone up. All right. So now what we're going to do is, is we're going to forgive them from our hearts. And to forgive from our hearts is to apply the blood of Jesus in the exact way that Jesus applied his blood to us. It's to acknowledge that God's blood consecrates and allows us to walk into the plan, the purpose, and the destiny that He has for us, even the person that hurt you. And so I want you to pray this after me Father God, forgive me for not forgiving. Today, I release the person. No, well, not the person, you need to like put in that space. Put there the person that hurt you. I release them. I forgive them. And I ask that you would bless them and bring them into a relationship with you so that they can walk in the plan and purpose and destiny for their lives. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. All right, quickly look to me. Those of you that prayed, how do you feel in your heart? You feel relief? You feel it's let go? Okay, you can show. Good, there are a few reluctant hands. Thank you. Now, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. You are going to have to work on your expiation. Don't Remember I said God doesn't retrieve your sin? Like, blah like the cow that rechooses the sin, eats and re-choose and and re you're going to have to exercise your forgiveness by not rethinking that thing all the time. And that's going to be a renewal of your mind. So you've just done a spiritual act of forgiveness. The soul part and the physical part might take some time to work out, but you've already forgiven. If you wake up tomorrow morning and you feel those thoughts, those dominoes come back, you just say, hey... I've already forgiven that person. It's under the blood of Jesus. You might have to do some spiritual warfare, especially if you've walked around with that unforgiveness for a long time. All right. But you've forgiven, but you can re-forgive all the time until you feel like you've had, some, had breakthrough. The third thing is propitiation. We let go of the right to punish and take revenge. So I want you to close your eyes again with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I forgive this person, and I let go of the right to punish them. I hand them over to you. You are the righteous judge. I trust in you, Father. Amen. And then the fourth thing is, is, in an ideal world, you see, forgiveness is one part. You can practice forgiveness. You don't need the other party to practice forgiveness. But in order to practice reconciliation, both parties need to be willing to reconcile. And so it's, if, it's ideal to have reconciliation, to have that relationship restored. But in some circumstances, it might not be possible. Some people might have died, You can't restore that relationship, or that person is not a Christian, and they live in the world system of revenge, and they don't want a relationship with you, or it might be that you came out of an abusive relationship, and that it's actually dangerous for you to reconcile, emotionally or physically. And so, in those circumstances, especially if it's been an abusive situation, you can forgive. And then I would, with the help of the church and the pastors around you, see if reconciliation is possible. But you fulfilled your side of what Jesus expects of you. And as we pray and as we trust God, if Saul can get saved, maybe that person can also get saved. And reconciliation can be possible in 10 or 20 or 30 years or maybe next week. It's up to God. You guys get that. So don't now go and run yourself into a difficult situation, all right? You, you, you. Elders, is that clear? All right. Um, that's it. Just remember, you're going to be offended all the time. It's the church of God. It's a hospital. It's not heaven. We're going to get to heaven. For now, we're not there. Can I pray for us? Thank you. You guys have been amazing. It's been wonderful to be with you again today. Let's stand together. Joe, can I finish it up and send thanks for coffee or do you want to say something? After morning praise and we are done with the service, you can go to the back, but the visitors, if you want to be in a visitor's time, go through that door there up the stairs in the training hall and I can ask the elders, deacons, comm leaders, if you, got, if you don't have plans, if you can hang around, can you also be up there so that
1: we can just connect with the guys? Thanks.
0: Thank you. Let's raise our hands to Jesus. Jesus, we raise our hands to you this morning because you are the one that has made this all possible. And this morning we raise holy hands to you because your blood has been shed over us. I thank you, Father, that you put inside each and every heart here this morning a call, a purpose, and a destiny, Father. I thank you, Lord. This morning I speak declaration over this congregation. Just after worship I saw a picture. Somewhere in the 90s there was that, that um, you can look at me quickly. Somewhere in the 90s, there was this, in China, there was this revolt against the, the Communist Party. It was in some square. Do you guys remember that? Telemann Square. And in this, there was this photo of this guy standing in front of this tank. Do you guys remember that? I feel like this congregation, you're standing in front of this tank. And some of you are saying, we don't have the faith. We don't have the strength. We don't have the power. And God's saying, no, you do. No, you do. And you guys are resisting the enemy, and it seems like you're coming up against the tank. And God's saying to you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that resides in you. And those things that you think are problems and obstacles are small things. And God's calling you to see the things that are not and to call them as if they are. Sure, I'm getting so excited. I feel like there's something in us that has to stop speaking the negative. You know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see a hole. But the Spirit of God enables us to see that which is not and to call it as if it, as if it are. Me and my jean pants. And so why don't we raise our hand, because I feel like God wants to just impart faith. He wants to impart vision so that you would see what God sees. And this thing of declaration is is powerful because it is the first action of faith. You see, God does something in our hearts. He shows us something that hasn't, it's not manifest. It's like putting a magnet under a table and then putting the filings there. What happens to the filings? They just organize themselves. And when you see in the Spirit, that act of speaking is an act of faith. And what is faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. And then in chapter 6 it says, it causes the pleasure of the Lord over you. I feel like God's asking you, this congregation, to step into, and I'm not saying you're not in faith. I feel God saying, you're going to step into a greater measure of faith. And you know that faith is a gift. And so if you want that gift this morning, reach out your hands to the Lord. Father, we thank you that we qualify because of the blood of Jesus. We thank you that we've overcome obstacles. I thank you, Father, that there are men and women here that have been tested severely. And you found them not wanting. You found them qualified. I thank you, Father, that you've purified the gold and the silver and the precious stones that is in this place. And Father, today we just declare it and we release it as building materials into your building. I thank you, Father, that in the season that is coming, that you will, through the elders and the deacons and the community leaders and the leadership in this place, put people into new roles and spaces of authority where there will be hands laid upon people and they will be put into places that have been ordained for them from before the foundation of the world was created. I thank you, Father, that this is not something that we do in our earthly wisdom, but we do it in your godly empowerment. And today, Father, we declare over these people that they will prosper, We declare over these people that the least of them will be a thousand. We declare this morning, Father, that they are men and women of faith. And I ask right now, Father, that you would put a greater measure of faith in their hearts. Even if there are people here, Father, that have given up on their dreams, they've given up on their callings, Father, I ask this morning that you would cut that off in the mighty name of Jesus and that you would re-envision where people have stood and they've looked backwards like Lot's wife, I ask, Father, that you would come and that by the reign of your Spirit, that you would unsalt them and that you would make them fruitful. I feel like there's some of you, you've been in ministry and you've given up and you've gone into an unfruitful season. And God says your new season will be more fruitful than your previous season. And it's not going to be by strife. It's not going to be by work. It's not going to be by sweat. It's going to be by the power of the Lord, by keeping in step with His Spirit. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.